Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. My message this morning is entitled, A Four-Part Narrative Inspired by the Past 627 Days. Okay? I told you it was going to be different than what I've ever done before. This is a four-part narrative inspired by the past 627 days. Now, I'm not going to give you a narrative of the past 627 days. If you searched right now what date was 627 days ago, you'd find it was January 1st, 2020. So obviously 2020 in people's minds was kind of like a marker of like, wow, life just got really weird. So I'm talking about four different things that the Lord has kind of stirred in my heart over the past 627 days that I believe would be important for us to hear. Is that okay? So four distinct things, a four-part narrative inspired by the past 627 days. Let's just dive right in. Are you ready for narrative number one? Narrative number one, the wind and the spirit. The wind and the spirit. The Bible gives us a clear picture that the Holy Spirit is actually like wind. And in John 3, verse 8, it says, only God's spirit gives new life. The spirit is like the wind that blows wherever it wants to. You can hear the wind, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. And I would even say you can see the effects of the wind without actually seeing the wind. I was standing outside the church a couple days ago, actually, just in prayer and preparation, and the wind began to blow so strong. And I began to just kind of stand, I'm just watching, asking the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me? And I start realizing, wow, this wind is so powerful. Trees are moving. Leaves are beginning to fall off. Um, a day and a half ago, I saw a little tumbleweed like rolling down the street. It's like what you don't see in Fargo very often. But I'm like, that's kind of cool. So southern. Texas must be moving up here or something. It's kind of weird. That's a strong wind. Wind that can take a tumbleweed from Texas. Bring it up here. No. But the wind moves things. We can see the effects of the wind. We don't know where it comes from or even where it's going, but we can feel it. And you can watch its effects on things around you. Also, while I was standing out there, the football team over at Cheyenne High School was practicing. And I was thinking about the wind. It's interesting, even in football, as the quarterback would throw the ball, he's got a a course mapped out in his mind where that ball's to go. But the interesting thing about wind is, even after the quarterback's plan of where that ball is to go has been released, the wind can alter the course of a man-made plan so quickly. And I drew two things out of this. Number one, that we should be followers of Christ who look for the wind of the Spirit and that we're sensitive to do what the Holy Spirit leads us to do or what he's leading us not to do, that we don't do those things. And number two, that the wind of God's Spirit can actually alter and change the course of events that have already been set in motion by mankind. I'm going to say that again. The wind of God's spirit can actually alter and change the course of events that have already been set in motion by mankind. And this is really cool. In a world that's so wild and where we watch things maybe spinning out of control or we question people's intentions and why leaders and politicians and world leaders do things and we watch things happen, it can be fearful. But I believe what our response should be as Christians is not to worry, but to pray, as the word would tell us to do. So even right now, I just kind of want to pray this. Lord, that you'd make us more sensitive to the wind of your spirit, where you're leading me personally, and that we would pray right now over the course of things in our nation and in our world, recognizing even things that have already been set in motion, 
can be altered and changed by the wind of the Spirit. Would you pray with me right now over this? Let's do this. Lord God, we just welcome you, your Holy Spirit's wind. I thank you that you are like the wind. We may not always know where you're coming um, from or where you're going and where you're trying to move us, but that we can trust you when we feel you. So Lord, I pray for a greater sensitivity in the hearts of every Christian in this place, Lord, to the wind of your spirit. And let's pray for our nation and our world now, guys. And Lord Jesus, we just come to you, Father, and I thank you for the wind of your spirit that can alter mankind's plans and that can alter things that have already been set in motion um, that are set to steal and kill and destroy. So God, I just pray right now, and as a church, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would right now begin to shift and change the plans of mankind even as they're already in motion like a football in the wind, Father, that your wind would begin to move and blow and cause things to change, Lord, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven, that the kingdom of darkness and its plans would fail. In Jesus' name, we just thank you, God. Amen. Amen, amen. You should pray like that. As you hear things in the news, as you see things online or as something happens in your own life, begin to recognize There's a course of action here that started out, but the wind of the Holy Spirit can actually adjust this and change the outcome. That's the power we have in prayer. That's narrative number one, the wind and the Spirit. Narrative number two, God's messages to the follower of Jesus in 2021. Now, I... Typically, when I feel the Lord maybe stirring in me a word or I, I sense the Lord has spoken something to me, this is just a side note, I, I typically you know, will say something like, I believe the Lord is saying this. I'm maybe not one who would stand up here and say, thus saith the Lord, and go, 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 and pretend like I know 100%, no doubt, everything that God is saying. I'm just not really that way, and I think that's a little bit sketchy sometimes, but I'm pretty confident to stand and say, I believe the Lord is saying this, and then present that. With that in mind, I am 100% confident that this is God's message to us in 2021, because it's 1 Peter chapter 4, and the word of God is 100% accurate 100% alive, 100% all the time. And this is such a powerful word, I believe, for believers right now, even in the context of the world we're living in. So if you have a Bible, turn there. Otherwise, look to the screen. This is not a super long chapter, but this is 1 Peter chapter 4. And the heading, to start it off, is called Living for God. Can you take it off screen once, Caleb? One more. I don't want any spoilers. I really think the church is in an interesting time, you guys, Believers, and maybe some of you even feel this, you feel like, like, I know we're the church, but what am I supposed to do as a Christian? Like, what do Christians do other than go to church and pray? Like, like my life is supposed to have meaning. The life of Jesus and the death of Jesus should actually impact everything about my lifestyle. And this passage speaks so much, I think, and gives clarity to what it means to really just follow Christ in the heading, living for God. So First Peter 4, let's read this together. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. 
Imagine this letter being written right to you right now. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. These people are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Jump down to verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. This is what you're called to. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is for you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. But wait, there's more. Suffering for being a Christian. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. That's cool. Even in the context we live in, it's like the world is going nuts. Don't be surprised at this fiery ordeal as if something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed but praise God that you bear that name. Jump down to verse 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Just good words. Really good words. We don't know what life's gonna hold in the next year, 10 years, 15, 20 years, in the world, in America, in our cities. And it could be, and I pray that the Lord would alter things and the the plans and course of things by his spirit, that we do experience the kingdom of God in greater measure. But even if suffering does come and persecution does come, there's so much hope. You're secure in Christ. And you actually get to enjoy fellowship with Christ through whatever comes. Joys, trials, suffering, Christ is in it. So rejoice even if you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Love each other deeply. Along with this is kind of a scripture, Matthew 10, 28, that resonates in my heart. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's a very intense scripture. Don't fear mankind. Fear God. You and I are going to stand before God Almighty, the creator of the universe, not before a panel of social media people on their phones like miles away. We're going to stand before God one day. And when I do that, I want to know that I lived a righteous life, a holy life that was honoring to God, that cared more about what God thought than about what man thought. Amen? Should commit ourselves to our faithful creator committing ourselves to our faithful creator, continuing to do good. God is good. 
His grace is sufficient. Narrative number three. Are you ready for number three? Narrative number three. I think this has meaning in your life. The original sin. I want to look for a second at Genesis chapter three. At Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had been placed in a place of perfection. The Garden of Eden in perfect relationship with God and with each other. They could enjoy the fruit of every tree except for one. And in Genesis chapter 3, we read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, get this, did God actually say? Did God actually say? You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. The devil is kind of sneaky in his approach with believers, and this is still his tactic today. He comes to us and whispers in our ear, maybe in a time of crisis or decision, did God actually say you shouldn't? And he's sneaky about this. Adam and Eve, as they fell into this temptation of questioning, did God really say this? It was what opened the gateway for darkness to come into the world. Adam and Eve didn't trust the word of God and they actually questioned if God, what God was saying was true. When they did, it opened the door for evil into the world. So when you and I start to question what God says, even in his word, we enter back into what Adam and Eve fell into questioning the intentions of God, the truth of God, and what God has already spoken through his word. And I'm seeing this in culture so much. There's so, there's so many things in the world right now, agendas that are not based from God's heart, that are not in line with the ways of Jesus we see in the Bible. And I would encourage you as a believer to take a strong stance in your heart and say, what God says is what I will believe. What the word of God says in the Bible is what I will stand on. And don't fall into the temptation that Adam and Eve fell to when the devil says, but did God really say this? Stand strong on what the Lord has clearly stated in scripture and take a stand in your heart on those things. So let's trust what God has already spoken through his word. Acts 3.19 I love this. If we've fallen in any of these areas, Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Oh, times of refreshing, anyone? Sounds right. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come to the Lord. And finally, narrative four. Maybe my favorite one in the whole package. Are you ready? Narrative four. Drum roll, please. And digital art in the form of NFTs. Raise your hand if you have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Keep your hand up. I'm just so curious. <laughs> All right. I'm going to help everybody else out in a second. Some of you guys who know about this stuff are way smarter than I am um, what an NFT is. NFT stands for non-fungible token. And the definition of a non-fungible token, according to the highly regarded uh, 
website Wikipedia, is a non-fungible token is a unit of data stored on a digital ledger called a blockchain. This is making a lot of sense already, isn't it? It certifies that a digital asset is unique and is therefore not interchangeable. I know this is making a lot of sense. It will. NFTs can be used to represent items such as photos, videos, audio, and other types of digital files. So I want to talk to you about digital art in the form of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, for a minute. If we could put up the first slide. This is an NFT that recently was for sale. I know that's a little dim. Do you see that beautiful rose? Yeah, maybe we can. Why don't we shut all those lights off now just for a little bit of a slideshow presentation? Look at that rose. Beautiful, beautiful rose. Um, this image, which you're now viewing, this is a copy of the actual image of this rose that sold at auction recently. And I'm just curious if anyone have any guesses as to what price this image file would sell for. It's a digital work of art. 800? Any others? <laughs> you guys are hilarious, all you smart people. This image recently sold for $1 million. It's not a physical piece of art. This is a digital file of that rose image that sold for $1 million at auction. Beautiful rose. Let's go to the next one. This is CryptoPunk4156. He recently sold at auction for, I believe, $1,200,000. That little pixelated image. Beautiful, isn't that? Now, remember, this isn't like art that you, you hang up anywhere. This is just a, f a digital file, okay? Highly valuable, highly, highly valuable. Let's go to the next one. This is another uh, NFT that recently sold for 1,300,000. Yep, upcharged a little bit. Someone created that digital file. Now, look, you can go get the, I know some of you are shocked. People buy this stuff. Obviously, we're looking at a copy, so... The original is so much greater, I'm assuring you. But highly valuable, highly valuable. Even the reflection of kind of the bald spot on the left side, highly detailed. Let's go to the next one. This is CryptoPunk6965, who recently sold for, I believe, 1600000 at auction. Again, beautiful piece of work. I'm sure it took more than a few minutes to, to create. Um, but a really nice piece. Let's go to the next one, and I think this is the, oh, not the final. This is a nice one. If you're into cryptocurrency, you know what that is. This is Doge, I think they called the piece of art. That digital image recently sold for $4 million online. Beautiful piece. You can get in on this stuff. There's websites you can trade, buy and sell. And then finally, let's just close off with this one. This is one of the wildest ones. This is a I think it's like a compilation of like hundreds of different works that a person has done over the last 13 years or something. This digital image file, again, it's not a physical piece of art, recently sold for the equivalent of $65 million for that digital file. You can turn some lights back on. Ooh, ah, let's hear some of those ooh's ahs. Ooh, isn't that neat? These are NFTs. Now, why on earth am I talking about NFTs? If you're anything like me, and maybe today was the first time you've heard of this sensation that people buy digital files like this for millions of dollars, then you were probably shocked at the price that people would pay for something seemingly so silly. <whistles> NFTs 
and their value correlate in a kind of a funny way to us and our value. Regardless of what someone thinks an NFT is worth, regardless of what maybe how beautiful or attractive that NFT appears on the outside, those things don't actually determine the NFT's value. An item's value is determined by the price at which someone is willing to pay for it. The higher the price paid, the higher the value. And so it is with you and me as believers in Jesus. Your value as a follower of Christ must be measured by nothing less than the price Christ paid on the cross. The blood that he shed for you. The beating that Jesus took on his way to Calvary. Your value must be measured by the sound of the hammer as the stakes went into Christ's hands and into his feet. Our value must be measured only by the price that God paid for us. You were the object of Christ's affection as he hung on the cross and the object of God's love. In the last 657 days, the value and even many people's personal value and self-worth and view of themselves has been so beaten down. And I just believe that God wants to restore identity and value from the work of Christ to believers, even in this place. So your value must be rooted in the price that Jesus paid for you. We're gonna take communion. If you don't have communion elements yet, would you just raise your hand and we'll make sure we get that to you? Okay. Just keep your hand up for a second over here. Awesome, Pastor Caleb's gonna help us out. Um, just keep your hand up until someone comes to you. There's never been a more important time, you guys, to understand who we are, to understand our value, to understand that the, the things God has planned for us are greater than we've ever asked, thought, and imagined. And our value is so rooted in the price that Jesus paid for us. I'm gonna have Soph just come and play some keys again if she's willing to do that. Let's just take a minute before we even open up the elements and take this together. And I want you just to remember and meditate on the price that was paid for you. The value that God saw in you as he went to the cross. So just meditate on that for a moment and we'll take this together.
Let's go ahead and just prepare to take that wafer and we're going to read from the word. Just read this and let's thank the Lord. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just thank Jesus for his body, broken for you, the price that he paid. Then when you're ready, go ahead and take that. Thank you, Jesus. God, that you so loved the world that you came and did what you did. Speak to each of us, Father, about that sacrifice again today and about the value that you saw in us, Lord, as you went to the cross. Let's read again. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Just thank Jesus for his shed blood, and then when you're ready, you can just take this. blood was enough for us, Father, brought us into a right relationship with you, that we have peace with you, and we can have peace with one another because of what you've done, God. Lord, we just thank you. It's by your stripes we're healed, Father, that you meet us, Lord. You bring deliverance to us, Lord. Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.